Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rail Group On Air, presented by Railway Age and Railway Track and Structures magazines and International Railway Journal. I'm your host, Bill Wilson, and I am the editor-in-chief of RTNS Magazine, and welcome to another podcast. This is Rail Group On Air. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm Bill Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of RTNS, and I am here to unveil the 2021 RTNS Top Projects list. Over the course of the next few months, we will be featuring one of the winning projects, and this month, that project is the one titled Protecting Transcontinental Railroad Tracks from a Moving Mud Spring. Thank you again. The heroic handling of the Mondo Mud Spring in Nyland, California, around Union Pacific tracks, made it an obvious choice for a top project award. I mean, who knew there was a mud spring that could act like a living organism, creating havoc with everything in its path? I had the chance to talk to Shannon and Wilson's Dean Fransuk and Travis Dean about the unique challenges behind this project. Fransuk is the lead engineering geologist at Shannon and Wilson, while Dean is a lead geotechnical engineer. All right, well, very unique project that that took a top project award with RTNS. Do you guys, what do you guys want to kind of describe the scene when it all began, kind of paint the picture so we can maybe get a, a vision on what was going on, what you guys were dealing with? Sure. So this is Dean. Um, we were called out to the site in early May, I believe it was May the 4th, um, by Union Pacific, and they told us they had a, a, a water problem next to the main line out at the Yuma Sub, out at uh, milepost 662, um, out near the town of Nylon, which Nylon which was a, um, a junction point for the for the railroad, and they called us out and asking us for their their um, asking us for our opinion as to how we could mitigate the water that was flowing out of this what we called a mud spring or mud pot. And we got out to the site. Travis and I got out to the site, and we were we were scratching our heads because neither one of us had ever ever seen anything like this before. So. Our first concern was protecting the railroad, obviously. The second concern was what was causing the water to flow from this, this mud pot at the rates we were seeing. The, the area is known to have these mud pots um, all over, but this was the first one that, that we had started to read about that, that looked like it had been moving. Um, and so, the question arises: Why is it moving, and what what is what has started or caused it to move? So we were all kind of scratching our heads at that point. But the main concern was to protect the the, the railroad and traffic on the railroad. 
So how fast was the water moving? I mean, was it, if you can describe it, you don't have to give me uh, a, a dimension or measurement of, of how fast, but I mean, how fast was it moving? Um, it was, it was surging out of this, out of this mud spring. Um, we weren't quite sure at the time, but with subsequent pumping, we had determined it was at about 40,000 gallons a day. Yeah, 40,000 gallons is about right. And so by the time we had gotten out there, Bill, um, a subcontractor had already been uh, hired by Union Pacific, and that was Demo out of Indio, and they had uh, excavated some trenches along the right-of-way to a, uh, a nearby um, bridge and uh, drainage to allow the water from the mud, the mud spring to drain underneath the railroad and then ultimately out into the Salton Sea. So how long did it take you guys to come up with a solution? And then if you can maybe talk about what that solution entailed. Well, the immediate solution was, 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 was pretty crude, but pretty typical, which was that it dealt with a lot of um, basically lining what we were calling the caldera, which was the limits of the mud spring with riprap. And we used two, two to three foot diameter riprap to basically, uh, mitigate the erosion that was occurring along the, the edge of the, of the mud spring. Um, once we did that, the next uh, concern was, well, we knew that was going to be a temporary measure. What can we do to stop it or, or protect the railroad in, in a better uh, way than what just using a riprap? And that's when uh, the engineering came, came up came on, and that's when Travis really started to come up with some ideas as far as using sheet piles um, as a measure to, we knew it wasn't going to completely stop the, the flow or the movement of the mud spring, but the idea was to at least slow the movement of the mud spring and give us uh, additional time to come up with a long-term solution for, for the railroad itself. Yeah, so Bill, this is Travis. To break it down, um, we talked about uh, two components of the mud spring that were a hazard to the railroad. One was the flow, which was the 40,000 gallons a day that was actually emanating from the spring itself. But then the second part was the coherent movement of the spring um, towards the railroad, um, for, towards the tracks. Um, and that was kind of surging as well because it would uh, – it would basically be one spot for a little while, then in the course of a week, it would move 20 feet uh, closer to the, to the tracks. So when we started to see this, this uh, um, mud spring moving close to the tracks um, at a rate uh, that uh, was a bit variable, um, we had to basically try to buy ourselves some time uh, to come up with uh, um, solutions, engineering solutions for the, uh, uh, for the, to check the railroad. So, so the first uh, the first solution as Dean indicated was rip wrap, just putting it that uh, in place in front of it to try to slow that down. Um, and then the second solution um, was to create a barrier uh, with uh, using what's called uh, sheet piles, uh, which are basically steel uh, uh, plates you drive into the ground uh, to kind of contain the mud spring um, while we worked on other solutions for the railroad. So, so you know. 
the size of these sheet piles approximately and how many you had to use? Uh, we put out uh, um, uh, almost like a, uh, a containment area about 100 feet long uh, of sheet piles, and they had two wing walls that were about eh, about 20 feet uh, apiece that uh, uh, kind of contained the, the mud spring within an area uh, uh, before the tracks. The depths of the sheet piles were about 75 feet. Uh, we drove them to what's called refusal conditions, which we couldn't drive them any further because the, uh, the ground uh, um, was too strong for us to drive through. So how, how did that how was that working then? When you threw that temporary solution there, uh, did it work instantly? Was it was it very successful at first? Uh yeah, I think it uh, was very successful in terms of buying us the time that we were looking for. Um, as Dean mentioned, we got out there in early May, um, and this thing jumped. Uh, the spring jumped uh, towards the tracks fairly quickly. I think at one point it jumped 20 feet in the course of a week um, towards the tracks. Um, so it was getting within um, about uh, 50 feet of the tracks. <clears throat> so, um, so in order to get to buy us some time and, and not have to shut the, the tracks down, um, we were able to contain the, the mud spring behind these sheet piles for about four months. Um, so we uh, installed them in July, and uh, the mud spring was effectively contained behind the, behind the sheet piles uh, until October. And how did you bring the sheet piles and the riprap in? Was it was it transported by train then, or how how did you get the the materials there? I think, I, if, as I remember, most of the the equipment was brought in by truck, um, with the okay. exception of the riprap. The riprap was 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 brought in by, as they like to say, by the train load. But the sheet sheet piles and the steel was were, I believe, that most of that was brought in by truck. Correct. So you guys were able to buy some time, and, and how long did it take you to come up with a more permanent fix? And if you can maybe talk about that permanent fix then. Yeah. So, so the next idea was to try to the, these 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 mud springs are are being driven by pressurized carbon dioxide gas, um, which comes from de at depth. Uh, and so the next idea was to try to depressurize the mud spring. So we started to drill uh, a series of wells, deeper wells, anywhere from four to uh, 400 to I believe it was 900 feet deep, to uh, down to a depth to to reach um, where we thought the gas might be coming from, and that might relieve the the, the pressure and basically kill the mud spring. And some initial uh, we had some initial luck with that, uh, and it did uh, initially draw down some of the, the water flow in the mud spring, but after a while, it came, it came back. So what that, this work did, uh, what it allowed was Union, to, Union Pacific to uh, buy them some time to start grading a shoe fly to the west of the existing twin track uh, main that they have out there. And so they were able to, to uh, build a uh, west shoe fly with the idea that ultimately this mud spring would move underneath their main line and they'd be able to cut in the, the west shoe fly to allow traffic to continue to flow. So how many, about how many wells did you did you create out there for depressurize? Yeah, we drilled three wells. 
and then help yeah, on the wells wells went anywhere from 400 to i think the deepest was 900 feet deep about 900 feet deep Okay. And then to add to the, the wells there, the, the third well uh, that we were drilling um, looked promising. We were actually getting a lot of pressure uh, relief and uh, um, uh, some some reaction from the mud spring. Uh, but uh, we had to stop that really well when the uh, mud spring jumped the sheet piles um, and uh, took out the um, the mainline tracks. Well, it's, it's almost like you guys were dealing with like a living organism out there, you know, that, I mean, it wasn't, but it, it just sounds like, you know, it had a mind of its own almost. Well, it, it's it's certainly in the, in the 30 plus years that I've been practicing engineering geology, it's the strangest phenomenon that I've seen in, in California or anywhere in the Western U.S. And it... We we were all scratching our heads, not only ourselves, but people within uh, within the industry as well as within academia, trying to figure out why this was moving. Uh, and nobody really came up with a solid idea, other than we think it's moving along, probably moving along some pre-existing faults that were possibly uh, widened by some earthquake activity in 2016-2015 uh, time period. But as yeah. far as an actual mechanism, none of us were quite sure. Yeah, and there, there's been ongoing scientific studies. Uh, we actually hired a uh, professor, Dr. David Lynch, uh, who's uh, uh, from Caltech, and he's been studying the mud springs out in the Salton Sea area for years prior, including, including this one, before it started moving. So. So he's been pretty invaluable with theorizing um, how this thing started to move, and uh, also, you know, trying to extrapolate when it would eventually stop. Uh, but uh, yeah, that that's uh, it's gone not only to Caltech but also NASA and JPL and others have gotten involved uh, studying this uh, this uh, pretty unique phenomenon. So is this just the beginning then? Can we expect more of these to sprout up uh, in the coming years? Because, like you said, it's it's not like uh, active fault lines are, are the reason behind it, and those aren't going away. I would expect to see more of these mud pops, mud pots pop up, uh, or mud springs pop up uh, in the area. Um, these typically will start to flow uh, in the area and stop flowing, and then something will pop up somewhere else. Um, there's hundreds of these mud springs within this general area. But again, this is the first one that that was documented to actually be moving. So you said Union Pacific installed that that shoe fly. Was that then? Has that been the permanent fix for this then? Um, I don't. I think ultimately what they would like to do is realign their tracks so that they have a nice tangent, um, which is what they had previously. Um, right now they've got, well, at least as of February, Travis, they have still two parallel main tracks, but they both have a a, um, a bend or a curve a little bit to the east uh, around what was the old area of the, of the mud pot or the mud springs. Yeah, to kind of shape it uh, as far as how this how the mud spring moved relative to the tracks. The tracks and the mainline tracks were themselves oriented in more of a kind of north-south direction, 
and the uh, the mud spring went across was going in more of a uh, uh, northeast to southwest direction. So it kind of kind of skew to the main lines. Um, so first swing we built was the western or the railroad built was the western shoe fly track, and then when the uh, that was an operation when the main lines got taken out uh, after the uh, mud spring jumped the sheet piles. Um, the railroad then after the uh, mud spring had moved beyond the sheep piles went and constructed another shoe fly track on the opposite side, uh, the east side of where the main lines were. So for a while there, we had a, uh, a shoe fly track to the west and a shoe fly track to the east with the mud spring right in the middle of where the main lines were. Um, as the mud spring continued to move towards the uh, um, southwest, um, uh, they were able to restore the uh, uh, two main lines, as Dean indicated, on the eastern side. Uh, and Eventually, the uh, mud spring moved into the uh, original western shoe fly track, the first one we did, and took that out, um, as well as main lines. Since that time, the railroad has been progressively pushing the uh, uh, the main line back to the original alignment as the mud spring moves further away. Okay. Okay. Um, is there anything else? You guys would like to add on this? Anything that I, I missed, I didn't ask about? It, again, this is uh, quite the project, and obviously well deserved for a top project for 20, 2021. Any, anything else you guys want to add? I, I will add that uh, I did do a. Uh, uh, the, the thing about the, the, the mud spring is that it's it's really best appreciated by video. Uh, it's it's uh, um, one of those things that kind of have to see it to believe it. Uh, uh, at least as far as uh, um, conveying you know how this thing worked. Um, uh, we did a uh, YouTube video um, last year on it, uh, so if you wanted to Google Shannon Wilson and uh, YouTube, you'll see our, our channel there, and uh, it'll show a, about half an hour version of the uh, uh, mud spring in, in motion um, uh, for with videos that uh, Dean and I uh, both took. I can't help but thinking about those old 1950s horror movies. Here comes the blob. What do we do against the blob? What a great project. It was great to report on it, great to write on it, and it sounds like it was just great to conquer it. I'd like to thank our guests, Dean Frensuk and Travis Dean from Shannon and Wilson. For RTNS Magazine, I'm Bill Wilson and I will see you down the line.